Hello, and welcome to the E-Team Podcast. These are conversations with ministry and marketplace leaders from across the country that provide insight and encouragement. For more information about this podcast and any and all resources provided by the E-Team, please visit us at eTeam-inc.com. We hope you enjoy this episode. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode, edition of the E-Team podcast. These are conversations that we get to have with ministry and marketplace leaders from across the country, and I'm excited to be joined by a good friend of mine who I had the honor and privilege of meeting a couple years ago, Mr. Brian Odinger. Brian is a church planner, he's a pastor, and he's a leader and a part of a nonprofit organization currently called Love Life. This is a nonprofit organization whose mission is to create a culture where families stop running to the abortion centers and start running to the local church. Brian, how are you doing, my friend? I'm doing well. Doing well. Thanks for having me on here. Yeah, I appreciate you taking time uh, to join us. Um, if you don't mind, just give our audience a little bit of uh, your background, your story. I mean, who is Brian Ottinger? Oh, man. Brian Ottinger is a son of the Most High God. Uh, my story is pretty irrelevant apart from Jesus, um, but God has taken um, a 42-year-old man who he saved at the age of 32, and he has taken the brokenness of my past, and now he has weaved it into a redemption story, and I'm able to help give um, really the hope of the gospel to people throughout the world now through this ministry. But some particularities, which I'll brag on, is that I am married to my wife, Carolina, beautiful bride, and I have five uh, ruddy young men, uh, five boys, Jake, Logan, Josh, Lucas and Moses. Moses is six. He was baptized yesterday. Oh wow! I've had the privilege of baptizing all five of my sons into the family of God. So it's quite a privilege. And um, yeah, Lord saved me in 2010 uh, at the age of 32. Had a, um, I, I tell people I was a very passionate sinner. Uh, I loved sinning and I loved uh, exalting myself. I loved going after anything that would uh, feed the desires of my flesh. And so when the Lord saved me at 32, I wasn't raised in a Christian home. I didn't know uh, simple Bible stories like Noah, Moses, didn't know much about the gospel or the Bible at all. And so the Lord just kind of sent me on this path of uh, drinking water through the fire hydrant, you know, and um, just trying to figure out what this, what it means to follow Jesus and to uh, read, understand, and apply his word to my life. That led me to uh, many faithful discipleship relationships. I had men who really speaking into my life and uh, in love confronting areas of my life that needed to be conformed to Christ. And at the age of, uh, excuse me, at the the year 2016, uh, started meeting in our home as a desire to kind of reach our neighborhood. And the Lord uh, began bringing multitudes of people, 30, 40 people in my living room and, and kind of doing the Acts 2 model where we're having a meal together, we're praying for one another, um, we are singing songs, we are uh, bringing time in the word and just having fellowship. And through that, the Lord uh, saw fit to uh, give us the opportunity to plant Convergence Church. Convergence Church started uh, Easter, April 16th, 2017. Uh, we wanted to keep the the feel of kind of organic home worship, but still tailor it towards uh, our context, which here in the South, you know, Sunday is King. And so we, we have a Sunday service where everyone gathers and then we do these things called missional communities where it's sort of like a house church type model, um, where people are meeting throughout the week, they're having meals together, they're, they're doing life together, but they're also inviting their neighbors into that. So 
Um, that's gone on. We've we've multiplied from one missional community to about eight. And uh, man, just over the past couple of years, um, been involved with the ministry called Love Life, which we're going to talk about more today. But to give you a little background on that story, like I said, I was uh, I was born again in 2010. And then in 2016, around the same time Convergent Church was launching, uh, a friend of mine invited me to the Love Life prayer walk. Um, and I can tell you more about that as well as we go. But on week 40, they do this 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 great big service where they invite all these churches to come out and basically uh, pray and have a worship service outside the abortion center. It's kind of a weird place to do that. Um, I had done some pro-life ministry before that. I was a little skeptical of Love Life because their branding is very well. Um, their logos and colors are kind of pretty and they've got these young kind of beautiful people in the ministry. And so I kind of thought like, man, there's something weird about this. It, it, it's, it seems too shiny to be accurate because that's a hard ministry to be a part of. And you start talking about abortion and stuff like that. So, um, end up going to this week 40 prayer walk and I heard them, um, kind of check the boxes of things I was looking for personally. One is they talked about the tragic truth of abortion. Uh, they called it what it was. It was murder. It was a sin. Um, second is they highlighted that Jesus was the only way Jesus was the solution. Um, and then third is that came through the local church, that the church was God's plan for bringing redemption to the world. And so it wasn't a ministry of condemnation. It wasn't a ministry of hate, but it was a ministry rather of bringing God glory through re- redeeming uh, men and women who were on their way there to the abortion centers to give them another choice, but also to redeem uh, people who had abortion in their past, which leads me uh, to tell this quick story is while I was out there, um, my oldest son, Jake, who is, he's 17 now, he's a senior in high school. He was probably 13 at the time. He looked at me after hearing all this stuff and he, and he said, dad, have you ever had an abortion? And, um, I don't think I'd ever hid that from them because, you know, my wild past, I've always kind of shared with my children, um, you know, where sin can lead them. So I, I'm not sure if we avoided it or I'm, I'm sure I talked about it at some point, but when he asked me that question in that moment, had I ever had an abortion, um, I just started weeping, you know, and then he grabbed me and he started weeping. And it was just this moment, this powerful moment, which I will never forget. And a couple of things happened in that moment was one, you know, I knew theologically that I was born again, that I was justified by faith, that I was justified by the grace of Christ at the point of my salvation in 2010. I was, I was a new creation. I was set free. But in that moment, when that weeping and stuff was going on, I realized that there was an area of my heart which had not been dealt with. And in regards to my past abortion, there was an area of my life that had not yet been healed. Um, And then I learned that Jesus wanted to heal me of that. And I would say the reason that I hadn't received healing up until that point was because I never really heard a pastor preach, at least to my recollection, a sermon about abortion. You know, it just doesn't come up in the text that often. There's some Old Testament scripture about it. But but primarily, I think it's such a taboo subject that pastors and Christians are not sure how to talk about. It. One is they don't want to offend anyone in the congregation that may have had an abortion. Or two is they just don't want to come off as unloving or judgmental. And so what happens is when, you, when you're unwilling to talk about things that the Bible talks about, um, you're withholding the healing that guys like me or women in the congregation needed to hear. And so I realized in that moment, Jesus wanted to heal me. He was using this moment in this ministry to heal me. And then I realized that I wanted to be a part of love life, that I wanted our church to get plugged in. I wanted, um, my family to get plugged in. I wanted our missional communities to get involved. And so over the, the course of the next couple of years, we, we had, um, helped minister to moms who chose life. We've showed up, we volunteered, we have, 
um, done things to help the ministry progress. Uh, it started in Charlotte with just 22 people. And over the course of four years, it's expanded to four cities, went to Raleigh and Greensboro in 2017 and 18. And then in 2019, um, the state of New York passed the Reproductive Health Act, which is not about reproduction or health, but it's rather um, it's legalizing the, the, the murder, the abortion of children up to the age of conception. So up to nine months. At that point, before that, it was like 20 weeks or 24 weeks. And they said, we're, we're going to go full on up to nine months. It's called abortion on demand. Regardless of the age of the baby, you can you can murder him. So we say that Satan overplayed his hand because the church in New York, particularly those in New York City, said, we've got to do something. We've got to stand up. This is outrageous. There's no way that a baby should be murdered at any age, but especially a full term baby. And so um, the church in New York City reached out to Love Life and um Love Life began going up to New York City to help launch New York City. Well, you, you kind of got to vet the churches. You got to make sure that this is a, a thing that is done in conjunction with the local church. You don't want just renegade Christians out there doing their own thing, but you want in order for it to work effectively, you, you really need a village. You really need that that church to come on alongside that person. So um, we went up there and they asked me to come help them launch um, New York City. And it was on that trip that my heart really got stirred. As I saw, it was almost like New Testament Christianity, like Paul going city to city. I was, I was up there preaching in churches and going, you know, Ubering. You know, we didn't have uh, ships and stuff, but we were taking Ubers to churches, and it was just this wild adventure. And when I got back, my heart was stirred, and I was began thinking, like, that feels like the kind of thing that I'd really like to do. Um, I enjoy pastoring, I enjoy planning a church, but there was something about that kind of outward just adventurous type of missionary work that I just really clung to. And so I met with, with the leader of, of love life and just began to dream a little bit about what it would look like for me to partner with love life in some capacity. Little did we know, you know, in 2020 that COVID would hit. And so again, it started in Charlotte was Greensboro, Raleigh, and then New York city. But when COVID hit, um, what they realized was one is they weren't sure how the prayer walks would be able to happen because of, you know, the masks and social distancing. So, but they said, Hey, there's a, there's a phrase that they use in the ministry that I love and your users can listen to it. It's run with the willing run with the willing. And so those who are willing were saying, Hey, just go out there with your cell phones. We'll do it kind of an online prayer meeting on Saturday morning at the abortion centers. And so it started in four and expanded now up to about 20, 25 cities that are regularly gathering on Saturday morning with Christians standing outside their abortion centers. And so you may be asking yourself, hey, why do they need to be at the abortion center? And the reality is, is yeah, we can pray from home. We can um, we can certainly pray in our closets and we can do that. But the majority of moms that choose life, they do so. And to my experience, I don't have the statistics on this. They choose life because they say someone was out there. Most of these women don't know Jesus. But some of them are Christians who know Jesus and they're praying on their way to the abortion center. God, if you don't want me to do this, send me a sign or, or put someone in my path. And when they show up and see the people with Love Life, with the Love Life t-shirt saying, hey, we have the hope of the gospel and the help of the local church. It's in that moment that they choose life. And it's in that moment that as we say, hey, we're here to help you, that we can actually back up that statement. We've got 150 churches partnered in Charlotte. 350 churches partnered across the nation who are willing to come alongside that mom, not just to provide physical needs, but her spiritual needs. We provide baby showers. We provide, I've seen vehicles, jobs, places to stay, clothes. 
but also men and women of God to walk alongside that mom and say, hey, mom, we're here for you, or dad, we love you. Let me, let me teach you about God's word. And then also, we're not just for the moms that choose life, but there's many times that these women go into the abortion centers and come out after they've had an abortion. And so we don't just like overlook them and discard them as, as, as non-worthy people, but we know these are people created the image of God and abortion is not the unforgivable sin. So we want to walk with them as well. So we've discipled men and women who have chosen abortion. And so that's a, that's a kind of a big overview of kind of who I am, where I'm at, but Oh, side note. So as this, as this thing began growing, as love life began growing across the nation, um, there was a need. Like, how are we going to like handle all this expansion? And, and, and I was kind of, you know, already in conversations with Justin and my friends over at love life. And it was just a natural fit to say, Hey, Hey Brian, what do you think about coming on board and helping us with this? And so it's been a great privilege. Um, I just got off the, a zoom call early. I had three zoom calls today already, (laughs) but I'm meeting with people all across the nation who are saying, Hey, we really want to, we want to stand and be a voice for the voiceless. In places like Boise, Idaho, Grand Rapids, Michigan, um, you know, Fort Lauderdale, Miami, and even places that we weren't expecting like Ghana, Africa, Ethiopia, uh, Israel, Australia, Thailand. We got people that are not only nationally saying we want to stand in the gap for the voiceless, but we want to be a witness across the world. And so, yeah, they brought me on to help with the expansion. And I'm like looking at them like, hey, guys, it might be time to hire somebody else. (laughs) Like it's just growing very quickly. The Lord's done a great work. Yeah, so you hit on a little bit. It's kind of it's kind of funny in the beginning how you're hesitant with their marketing and all that. So your your current title is a director of expansion and marketing, correct? So That's right. Yeah, <laughs> you must have told them that story awful early. So like, oh, we'll just put him into marketing. Yeah. Well, what I what I noticed, <laughs> man, was that this is such a um, valuable ministry. Is that again, it, most Christians um, who who read their Bibles would say, yeah, we know abortion's murder. We know it's sin. But there's two primary ways that I've seen the church respond. One is through anger, right? And very rarely do we have righteous anger. Most times it's just, it, it, it should anger us in a sense that, that babies are murdered, but we're not going out there motivated by hate. So we're not going out there angry at the mom, right? So that's not a good way. And the other one, which is the primary way you've seen the church respond is apathy. Like we don't know what to do. We don't, we don't really kind of know, we know we can vote. Maybe we can stuff the, the baby bottle and give it money once a year. Maybe once a year we'll preach sanctity life sermon. But other than that, like that's it. And so what happens is when love life comes in and gives pastors and churches away, it shows them a track that they can run on. Essentially pastors aren't having to kind of reinvent this thing. They can just take on board what we've given them and they can do it themselves. Um, it's been really effective. And so, um, the ways that we do that, I'll explain that real quick, is there's a 40, 40 weeks it takes to make a baby, right? Nine months, this 40 week cycle, it's the, the, the process of life. And so we're doing a 40 week journey every year. So each week we're asking a church to adopt a week. So Convergence Church can adopt week one. We can adopt multiple weeks, but we're going to adopt one week. And what that adoption week looks like is on Sunday, we'll, we'll show up, at, have a representative from Love Life, kind of give the tragic truth of abortion. Uh, many Christians don't know that in their city, within a maybe a mile or two of their church, there's an abortion center that's killing thousands of baby every year. And so as we share that with them, that usually leaves people like, oh man, that's awful. And then the pastor will come in and theologically teach on the value of life. 
And then we give the church some tracks to run on. And these tracks are, hey, the church is God's plan, right? And so on Sunday, we're going to expose the tragic truth. We're going to give them, highlight the value of the church and the gospel. On Wednesday, the church is going to fast and pray. I'm a Baptist, right? So we don't talk about fasting a lot. Mainly we're talking about what food are you bringing to the lunch and to the potluck. So they're teaching on fasting and praying, showing the church there's a valuable weapon in our arsenal that we've kind of just lay at the bottom of the, the sack, right? We don't use it very often. And so we're teaching the church to fast and pray. And, and Andy, on those days that the church is fasting and praying on Wednesday, we've seen a 70% decrease at the abortion centers in those cities, 70%. And so then, so, so the church has heard about it on Sunday. On Wednesday, they're taking action through fasting and prayer. And on Saturday, we're asking them to show up to be a voice for the voiceless, to be in the presence of these abortion centers. And you're saying, well, hey man, why is that important? Well, just like you can tell me about the people in Haiti who are eating mud pies or the, the voodoo witch doctors in Haiti, which are putting curses on people. Well, that sounds awful. It's one thing to hear about. And there's another thing to travel to Haiti to see kids, naked kids running through the streets, eating mud and seeing witch doctors cast voodoo spells on Christians. When you see that and experience it, it does something different to your heart. And so as we ask the Christians to show up on Saturday, again, not motivated by, by hate, but motivated by love, they're out there and they see moms and dads walking into the center. A lot of times, especially here in Charlotte, there's people that are against us, hurling insults at us, all kinds of words that I won't repeat on the podcast, but they're seeing the difference. And what happens is their heart gets pricked. And so they've seen it, they felt it, they've experienced it. And then we say, what's going to be your call to action? And we're asking Christians to do one of four things. One, if you're a post-abortive mom or dad, know that there's no condemnation in Christ, but God wants to set you free and help heal you and restore you through this. So we'll, we help provide counseling for them. It's said that one in four people in the local church has an experience with an abortion, one in four. And so one in four people at our prayer walks needs to be healed and delivered from that sin. The second thing we're asking them is we, a lot of times in the pro-life movement, we get accused of you guys only care about children in the womb. You guys don't, you guys are pre-birth, but you're not really, excuse me, you're pro-birth, but you're not pro-life. Meaning that you care about the baby until it's born and you guys are hands off. It's just simply not true. Um, I know some really good brothers who are fostering. They're going through some really hard battles. And Christians are leading the way in the orphanages and Christians are leading the way in all kinds of adoption agencies. We're just not bragging about it a lot. So a lot of times we don't get the credit for that. So it's just a lie. But the second thing we offer is Christians can come and, and run the track of foster care and adoption. We want to see these kids in the foster care and adoption system be adopted. The third thing is maybe God's calling that person to be a sidewalk missionary. The person who, instead of just showing up and praying, they're actually pleading Hey, mama, we love you. There's, there's hope for you in Jesus. We have the help of the local church. We call those our sidewalk missionaries. Um, and the fourth thing is maybe that God's calling that person to be a discipleship mentor. So as mom and dad choose life or they choose abortion and they, they need help, they need someone to walk alongside them. We know that if it's just up to me and you, Andy, we can't do much. But when we get our churches together in 150 churches in one city, there's a lot of people who can help. And so when we get people that track for them to run on, um, it's really created uh, something that um, has really been able to multiply well. And I believe the reason why is one, it's predicated and built on prayer. It's a prayer ministry, but also we're calling the local church to take ownership. The reality is love life doesn't want credit. Love life hopes that there's a day when love life's not needed. 
Uh, but love life's uh, it, it's, it's almost a reaction to an apathetic church. We're calling the church to get mobilized and activated to help in the orphan crisis and the abortion crisis in our land. And so as we give these options, the church is responding. And so as Christians, you know, the Holy Spirit, his job is to like make much of Jesus. And so as we start making much of Jesus, people get on fire. Just like when people come back from mission trips and they're like, I'll never forget that time when we were over in India and I saw that. Da, da, da. And you never forget that time. The same thing that happens when people go to abortion centers. It's an unforgettable experience. And so what we're trying to do is create a culture where we are changing the narrative say we're not out there motivated to end abortion we're out there motivated by the love of god to reveal the glory of god to people who desperately need it so we're looking at these abortion centers as mission fields and every city has one that's good man I'm talking a lot man no, that's great <laughs> yeah that's great uh and so man so four years you guys are just a little over four years, four years in existence, yeah. and you've seen so much expansion so much favor so many success stories so yeah. many so many mothers um and babies that you guys have been yeah. able to just wrap your arms around um if you don't mind share share a little bit of like the birth of this thing like where did the passion where did the burden come but obviously the passion came from um just a love and a heart for for people and for mothers yeah. and for babies, but I'm, it's got there. I'm sure there's more to the story than that. Yeah. So, um, there's an incredible man of God named Justin reader. He's a, the founder of love life. And, uh, he was invited, uh, someone invited him to a prayer meeting and they gave him the address and he shows up inside the abortion center. And he's like, what are we doing here? And the guys that invited him said, Hey, right across the street, babies are being, you know, scheduled to die. And we need to pray for the moms and dads and for the babies. And so he was, you know, he was already there. And so he prayed with them. And then, um, as the story goes, and he, he'll probably correct me if he listens to this, but he went home and he wasn't able to sleep for like a week or something like that. And he was just stirred up towards, man, what did I see? And how come the church wasn't out there? And so the Lord began to birth in him. He calls it the Nehemiah vision. We're going to watch. We're going to see what's going on. Uh, and then we're going to pray and then we're going to go. So, so we're learning about what's, what's happening. We're going to pray and seek the Lord and then we're going to go and take part. And so the word repentance, right? We always talk about repent and believe the gospel. Repentance is a turning away. Repentance is an action, right? Repentance isn't just a confession. A lot of people think repentance is I said a prayer and I'm forgiven. No, that's a confession or that's a prayer of forgiveness. Repentance is action. So, the, the, the strategy that the Lord gave him was, Hey, we're going to call the church in a way that they can run on these tracks to repentance. Um, Dietrich Bonhoeffer said that the Holocaust existed because the church allowed it in the same way. We think the abortion crisis exists now because the church has allowed it. Um, there's 700 an estimated 700 abortion centers in the United States that we know of. Um, currently 75% of those have a 0% Christian witness. So, so over 500 abortion centers, there's no Christian presence in any of them. Yet there's at least 10,000 churches that we know of. There may be way more than that, right? House churches and everything else. But there's 10,000 churches, 700 abortion centers, 500 that have no presence. And so I think it's because we, we just haven't known what to do. We haven't known how to talk about it. It's a hard pill to swallow that this thing's happened in our city. But the reality is if we view children in the, in the womb as people as the bible says and then we view them you know whether it's through you know chemicals or you know their body parts being ripped apart 
These are human beings who are being murdered. And that's, that's hard to say. Like, even as I'm saying to you, that's hard to say. And so for the average Christian, they're like, man, I don't, I don't want to talk about that. I don't, I don't want to see that. I don't, I don't want to go somewhere where that's happening, but it's, it's no different than what was happening on in Nazi Germany when they were murdering Jews and gypsies and Romanians and all kinds of people. Meanwhile, the church bells are going off in the background. And so we have a responsibility. It's like, what am I supposed to do? Pray and then go. And so as Justin did that, again, it started with 22 people. He called a prayer meeting in 2016. And uh, he just got churches on board. It started with one church and one pastor. And then that pastor told his friends. And next thing you know, they're out there and, and, and they're seeing it and they're getting their churches involved. And uh, over the course of four years, I think it's close to 1,200 families that were saved. Uh, not just 1,200 babies because we believe when a baby's saved, the family's saved. So 1,200 families. And then 70,000 people who showed up for a prayer walk. So it started with 22. Now there's 70,000. And I don't know how many countries we're in right now, seven or eight, 25, 30 cities, probably more than that. Um, just give or take the week who's showing up. But um, it's really the power of, you know, starting small and being faithful, the mustard seed type faith, and just asking the Lord to do what only God can do so that we don't get the credit. So it just continues to grow, man. And um, it's just an encouraging ministry to be a part of. I'm in a group, um, a WhatsApp group, and regularly, regularly, I see babies saved. I see pictures of kids at one month, at one year, and it's a regular reoccurring theme. And so I don't know any other ministry that I get to be a part of where we get to preach the gospel that Jesus Christ died for our sin and that he offers true forgiveness and redemption, that he's the only way, and at the same time, see literal lives being saved. I mean, you know, growing up, kids want to be firemen and police officers. Why? To help protect lives. And so we as the church get to go and protect lives, and we're seeing it happen. So I'll just say this real quick. A few weeks ago, we had a record week in our four cities. We had 25 babies that were saved. 25. 25 lives. That's, that's, that's a really big kindergarten class, or in some cases, two kindergarten classes. But then I started thinking about how many babies didn't get saved. And in those same places, it was probably 250. And so if you think about that, it's like, man, on one hand, yes, we want to celebrate the 25. Thank you, Lord. But there's 250 children who will never get to take their first breath, never get to walk, never get to play, never get to make noise, never get to play video games, never get to go run through the park with dad, never get to swing a baseball bat, never have a birthday, never have a first date, never get married, never have kids on their own. It's like the, the, the dynamics of this abortion industry in America is so huge. And it's something that we just kind of accept. It's just like, well, yeah, we can't really do anything about it, but that's just a lie from Satan. He's deceived the church into thinking that the issue's too big or it's 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 too complicated that we can't do anything. And so I'm so grateful, especially even right now, even to be a part of the podcast, getting it, getting to tell the story. And so hopefully others will hear it, be inspired to get plugged in. And so thank you, man. Yeah. And that's, that's the whole reason we try to do these things like organizations like yourself, man, we get the honor and the privilege of just sitting down with more and more people that God has just given incredible vision to that has taken that vision and that call and to see it carried out. And, um, 
that's why we get to do what we do, man, and, and just provide an opportunity to get the word out, raise awareness. And I love what you guys are doing, man. And and uh, and so, you know, if someone is listening to this right now, what are some of the big asks? What are some of the needs? And how can someone get plugged in to Love Life? Yeah, so lovelife.org is the website. Um, Love Life, like I said earlier on, they've done a great job of marketing. So you can follow us on Instagram. Uh, Facebook, especially check out the website. There, there's a current initiative, right? So if, if you've never heard of us and you want to bring love life to your city, you can go to lovelife.org slash America. And from there, there's a form you can fill out where you can learn like, how can you host a prayer walk? How can you uh, get involved? Um, how can you uh, get, in, get involved in one of those ministries I talked about earlier, post the board of healing, uh, foster care adoption, um, sidewalk missionaries, or... Uh, mentoring discipleship everybody can do something so you can go there fill out your um, information we'll be in contact with you and and i would say just start with prayer um start with prayer um you know when you start thinking about this issue you know to the average christian you know i say average a christian who's studying his bible who's praying who's who's involved in his local church when they hear about this it sounds exciting it sounds exciting like oh man there's something i can do there's there's a tangible way that I can make a difference. And I would say, amen. That's awesome. Right. Cause that's the spirit of God confirming that this is what God, this is God's heartbeat. But I would say, start with prayer. Ask the Lord. Okay, Lord, do you want me to do this? I think he'll say yes. Right. But Lord, do you want me to do this? And then Lord, how do you want me to get engaged? And the reality is most Christians are already wanting to get engaged in, 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 in several different ways. And so again, pray and then fill out the form. We'll be in contact with you. Um, check us out online. There's a thing called love life live that we do on Saturday mornings, uh, 9am. And it's basically, it's like a, it's love life, like news channel, almost taking you around the nation and really around the nations. And we're, we're letting you see Christians who are standing in the gap. Um, those who are bridled with the love of God and and, in the spirit and truth of God, who are taking the gospel to some of the hardest areas. And you'll get to see and witness babies being saved. And you'll get to see Christians, you know, evangelistically and apologetically um, offering the hope of Christ. It's a beautiful thing. And then you can pray and engage with us online. And so I would just say this too. This ministry truly challenged me in my view of prayer. You know, because when I found out that it was uh, the foundation was prayer, I would say, okay, that's cool. But then I learned that Christians were showing up and, and mostly praying. Yes, there's a call for them to go. Uh, move forward after the prayer walk into those different categories. But I was kind of questioning, they're just praying. Like that's all they're doing. And Andre, my friend who was in charge of the Charlotte um, region, he said, Brian, do you believe in prayer? And it was in that moment that I realized that I really didn't, I really didn't think prayer was effective, that there had to be something else. And yes, we, we prayer leads to action, but I wasn't even sure that that praying could be effective. And so this ministry has really helped me to see, especially like I said earlier on Wednesday, that is the day that the church is fasting and praying, 70% drop. I mean, that's amazing in abortions. That's, that's tremendous. No one was present. They were just, they were, you know, at work, they were at home and they were praying and fasting and the Lord showed up and did amazing work. So yeah, people, yeah, pray and then fill out the forms and just check us out and pray for us. Yeah. Get involved, you know? Yeah. And so how can someone who may be listening to this uh, want to help financially? How can they do that? 
Because I'm sure you guys well, have you a can, lot of needs as well. In, yeah, in that department. if you want, you can give them my personal cash app. <laughs> I'm just kidding. No, um, uh, yeah, if you just go to lovelife.org, I think there's a tab there for giving. Yeah. Um, and that's a great question because what we're looking to do over the next uh, really year or two years, those 700 abortion centers I talked about earlier, the 500 that don't have any Christian witness, we're praying for God to raise up sidewalk missionaries that will dedicate two years of their life to standing outside their abortion centers, to be that voice for the voiceless, to be that one who says, we have the hope and help for you, mom. We're here for you. And so um, some of these positions, the majority of these positions are um, um, they're through fundraising. But but as people donate, we're able to give and help supplement some of their um, costs. And so, yeah, if, if people want to give, um, as we continue to expand, I mean, there's definitely cost. And, you know, we're going to different cities. We're having meetings. The Lord has graciously provided for this ministry in, in, in all kinds of ways where they've never had to do any kind of like fundraising tactics or anything like that. We've never had to do like a gala dinner or uh, any kind of conferences or anything like that. But but I would say, man, as we continue to expand and try to get the message out and help equip the church across the United States and really the world, um, any financial contributions would be heavily, heavily appreciated. Yeah, that's good. Well, hey, Brian, I can't thank you enough for uh, just taking time to share your heart. Uh, man, I've really enjoyed getting to know you over the last couple of years and just seeing what the Lord is doing. And uh, even from the very moment I met you, man, I just saw such a huge heart just to love on people and care for people. And it's really neat how God has kind of positioned you now to champion to be a voice for the voiceless for so, so many and to rally more people just to, to share your love for people with others too, as they rally and be the voice for the voiceless. And so, man, thank you so much uh, for taking time just to share your heart with us today and all about love life. And if you're listening to this right now, I just want to encourage you. um, If you're a pastor uh, and your church wants to get involved in love life, uh, just go to lovelife.org and um, fill out that form and just be praying to see how you you as a church can come alongside and and support and be a um, and be a help to this great organization in the cities that you guys um, are in. Um, And you may be listening to this right now too, and and so. Man, I love what y'all's organization are doing. And you are actually standing in the gap and battling for families. You're fighting for families. And so anytime that this is a spiritual warfare that we're in, anytime we put our lives on the line, our families on the line to go battle for other families, the enemy is not happy. And so if you're riding down the road or if you're wherever you're at listening to this podcast, I just want to ask you to take action right now. And just be praying for Brian and his family and the others that are part of this organization. And just pray for their families as they continue to stand in the gap. And so prayer works, man. And and we should be all praying for you guys as well. Thank you so much. And uh, can I add just uh, if you guys want to get a hold of me personally, you can reach me at Brian with an I, B-R-I-A-N, at lovelife.org. If you guys have any questions, um, comments, concerns about anything I've said or anything about the ministry, uh, would love to talk to you. Would love to get you plugged in. Would love to um, bring this to your church and hopefully to your city and uh, just partner together for the glory of God. Yeah. Thanks so much, man. Blessings on you and your family and this organization. Appreciate it. Thanks again for listening in. We hope you enjoyed this podcast. For any and all resources provided by the E-Team, please visit us online at eteam-inc.com.